0: Welcome to Today, Maybe Forever. I'm Floyd Hall, and I have the pleasure today of being in conversation with uh, one of my favorite artists. Who does not know that he's one of my favorite artists? uh, W. How's it going? It's going well, man. Thank you for having me. Glad to have some time with you today. Uh, Today, Maybe Forever is this idea about, well, today... Being finite, forever being finite, but infinite also in different, in, in different ways, and talking about art and place and context, um, and just what people are doing in this current moment. So I'm glad you have some time to spend today, and one of the things I did not know about you uh, is that you're from New York. Yeah, I was originally born in New York. Originally born in New York. Originally born in Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn?
1: Ah, oh, wow. I was born in like the Flatbush area and then i moved to queens okay uh, when then we moved to um far rockaway queens okay i lived in flatbush
0: Oh, word for about a year i lived uh, uh ocean and Caton mm-hmm. um over like that southeast pocket um if you're looking at like uh prospect park like the southeast portion of that area um like a couple stops away on like the the q mm-hmm. um q train b q train anyhow um, but take me on your 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 art journey, like you know, from East Carolina. I know you end up you end up there. Yeah. Um, but like, take take me on your
1: your art journey from from Queens to East Carolina. <laughs> okay, so Queens was about like I would say the early '80s. You know, we were living out there in Far Rockaway, which if anybody is familiar with New York, Far Rockaway is like the end of the end of New York. It's out there. It's out there. It's out there. It's out there. And during the time in New York, it was, um, even though we lived like in the suburbs part of the things, uh, New York was going through a really rough time in the city. You know, this around the time of like, you know, Bernard Getz and, you know, a lot of crime and stuff happened in the city. So my mom wanted to move us out of there. And we moved to North Carolina to a place called Fayetteville. And that's where I grew up. So... Coming from New York to Fayetteville was like a complete shift, you know, because we're talking about like major metropolitan city, water, and all that. And then you're going to country, rural, felt like going back in time, you know, for a while. So um, that's where I grew up, and, you know, I went to junior high, part of elementary school, junior high, high school, and college there. So, uh, yeah, so I went to East Carolina. After high school, went to college, and you know, that was the thing to do, is either go into the military, because it's a military town, Fayetteville's was a military town, so the most common thing is you either go to college or go to the military. I went to college, and I went to East Carolina, because at the time, they had one of the top programs for art, and I went there for five years. You know, originally the plan was to do four. It happens. You know, it happens, you know, do four, but then ended up doing five. And um, my major was communication arts. That was the overall title got a BFA in communication arts with a concentration in illustration. So, but one of the things they made you do back then in the program is you had to learn graphic design. You couldn't get out of there without being a decent, at least a decent designer. And um, so after that, I left and got a job taking on the art world, designing car ads. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) That was my first gig, doing car ads. Got it, got it.
0: Yeah. Um, One of the things that I always appreciate about you is that, I always see you Working Or like scribbling in, You know In a notebook and a notepad yeah. Like I always see You know Your hand is always active Yeah You know Doing something And I, I feel like You know Whether that's Something that you Were trained You know To do Or whether that's Something that you Have, have always done I like artists Or it's sort of Seeing artists Always immersed In their work Even if it's not Something that's For the public It may just be Something that they're Trying to work out On their own Oh yeah um, And I always See you working yeah. Whether it's for the public or for yourself,
1: I tell you something. Um. So back in college, I used to make my own sketchbooks. See, that was my that started doing that, making my own sketchbooks because back then, you remember back when baggy jeans were in, yeah, like yeah. you know, Jinko jeans and like the Carl jeans, jeans had these really wide pockets in the back, and I wanted to make sketchbooks that fit in my pocket. Mm. So I'd make them. I'll design them really thin and you know sort of fit like in the back pocket. So I started doing that, and in as an illustrator. Um, Illustration major, the big thing was your process because you had to get stuff approved along the way. So you would do thumbnail drawings, then you'll do final drawings, and then you'll do your final concept and all that. So I got in the habit of like planning out my ideas, you know, in different stages. One thing that changed a lot for me, there's two events that, two things that changed my whole look at how to, the, the ideation process. One was I went to the library back at home and I got a copy of Norman Rockwell's book, How I Make Paintings. And it went through his process step by step by step. And seeing that blew my mind. And I made the mistake of returning it to the library. I should have mm. kept it. I should have never. I should have just took the L and paid the fee. But seeing his process, that really opened my, my mind to how, to how to create. You know, how to create a final product, a painting, or whatever you want that final product to be. And then another thing that changed the way I look at um, sketchbooks is going to Alphonse Maria Muka show at the North Carolina Museum of Art. So he's the guy that does all the Art Nouveau stuff. You know, like the cigarette ads and the posters and all that. So I had a chance to go check out his show in North Carolina. And you know, of course they had his posters, and the posters are amazing in person. But then I saw his sketchbook. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, so that's how you really get down in the sketchbook. You really get, you can actually work out your ideas in detail, and really do amazing things inside of your sketchbook instead of just jotting down notes all the time. You can do that as an option. So those two events really help shape my views on how how I view sketchbooks and note-taking and all that. Well,
0: I like hearing you say that because in this current moment that we're in where, you know, there's always super access through media, you know, through social media, through other things, through blogs, everything else, and I think artists are very narcissistic in a way about you know talking about what they're working on or work in progress I mean you have to kind of create a certain persona yeah you know as 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 an artist to maybe garner the right amount of attention um but I don't hear a lot of artists talking about those intricate details about how they even got to that point you know that that point or that part, and sometimes I don't feel like they I don't feel like they are as invested in that process as, as you just described
1: well there's a certain level of so social media has changed a lot for artists mm-hmm. you know I'm at the age now where I could see what life was like before social media mm-hmm. before that getting in magazines was the big that was the big thing you know you get your word out that's how you get if you were in a magazine that was like okay you're legit now yeah. and social media it's a great way for artists to get their images out to the world which is awesome but there's also keep in, keep in mind that this is an illusion you know, when you look at social media, you look at some artists like these people are the most prolific people to ever grab a pencil. How are they making <laughs> all this stuff? You know, how are they physically producing this stuff? But a lot of that is crafted. It's images. We are now we're, we're brands we're each independent brands and we're our own brand agency, you know, marketing agency for ourselves. So you got to really be careful about how you view artists sometimes because it, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody looks great all the time. Sure. Not everybody's busy all the time. Sure. Not everybody's traveling all the time. A lot of times, people at home doing nothing but checking their phones (laughs) and seeing what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. So, but the process is where the magic happens. You know, it's cool. The sexy part is the final product. You know, looking at the painting, showing the work. But the real magic happens in the process. And I think um, whatever your process is, that's what you should be crafting and working on. You know, because that makes your work better.
0: Well, you are also a curator, so we haven't talked much about ABL yet. But you're also co-founder of Art Beats and Lyrics. Um, We'll get into that. But just as as a curator, you know, you're looking at lots of art. You're you're thinking about artists. You're thinking about placement. You're thinking about presenting these artists in a certain Mm -hmm. kind of way. Um, When when artists are approaching you to be in the show or in the shows over all these years. Can you tell, as as a, as another artist, can you tell when another artist, a younger artist, maybe isn't deep into their sketchbook or deep into their process? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. You can't hide in the drawing. That's the. There's no way to hide. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most honest things you can do, because you can't, you can't be like, you can't make up an excuse for your bad drawing. You mm-hmm. know, there's no, you know. It's like you could see, and you could check out when you when you look at somebody's sketchbook. It tells a lot about them as a person. Mm -hmm. Are they meticulous? Are they are do they care about detail, or are they are are they about the big idea? Are they about you know catching an, an emotion, or are they capturing an energy? You know what are they thinking about? Where are they trying to go with this? You know do they just have a general idea and figure it out on the back end or do they figure it out on the front end so that the back end is easier you know you can tell a lot about people in that. that's why I I I like looking at people's sketchbooks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because you can see that you can see where they're coming from or the lack thereof some people don't have sketchbooks some artists just say you know what I'm just going to go straight to the canvas I don't have any there's no process just everything happens on the canvas and that's how they operate
0: and how do you when it's warranted you know provide critique or 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 mentorship, advice, game, whatever you want to call it, when when there's an artist who maybe comes to you but is but is 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 not ready or you see that they're not deep into what they need you know need to be doing to to get to where they want to get to. How how do you go about that? If if, if and when it comes up?
1: Well, when I see someone's work and I see that it may not have the final touch is that it needs, it needs as a curator. It's my job to present options to make it better. Mm-hmm. So if somebody turns in a piece that may be just not there yet, I'm like, hey, I have an idea what can make this really pop. And you got to let them know you're on their team. You're not critiquing them because you're trying to beat them down. You want them to look great because if you look great, I look great. I don't want you to look bad in the show. I want you to look awesome. you know. And I want you to look better than me. So whatever it takes to get you from point A to point B, from looking okay to looking amazing, we're on the same team, we're working together on it. Some artists like to take suggestions, some artists do not like to take suggestions. And I find that the artists that take suggestions tend to fare better, because I'm the curator, right? I've seen, I watch everybody come in that warehouse and work. I've seen a lot of people's process, and I also see a lot of crowd's reaction. You know, I see what work pops at the show. I see what people, what pieces people gather around or want to take pictures or want to purchase or whatever. I see that. So it's coming from a point of, hey, we're in a warehouse. And I know you see your work all the time in your studio, but I see it out in the field. Mm-hmm. And I see how things, certain things work and certain things don't work.
0: Got it. Um, so we're having this conversation currently at Atlanta Contemporary. And I wanted to ask you, as a curator of contemporary culture, you know that's what you're doing with a b l in a place where you're bringing together art and music music is art, but you know mm-hmm. all those different things together um what is and what has been your vision for what a b l should be or
1: or or the platform that it should exist as what is your vision for that well when we started there wasn't a lot of opportunities for artists like us Mm -hmm. you know a lot of contemporary street artists a lot of graffiti artists a lot of painters there wasn't that there wasn't like a a really a place for us so when Jabari he was original idea it was his idea originally and he put it together and the first show had like 300 people show up and then after that we partnered up and then we worked together ever since but the vision was to give a place for people that were up-and-coming professionals and seasoned professionals to showcase the urban aesthetic you know and have it celebrated and have people come in purchase it for the first time if they're first-time art buyers or even if they're like collect long-time collectors you know just give a chance to have this work shown in a in a context in which it was meant to be seen. You know, that's true to the culture in which it came from. And
0: go deeper in terms of not just the art, but also the music and where those two things interact or overlap or are integrated into the experience of, of ABL.
1: Well, a lot of the work that we have is inspired by hip-hop culture. Hip-hop mm-hmm. culture has hip-hop music. And... That's where a lot of that stuff came from You know, when when we first started We had a lot of graffiti artists in the show A lot of tattoo artists in the show And we still have those guys And that vibe is always there That urban hip-hop aesthetic is always in the mix It may not be in every single piece But a lot of those pieces generated from that culture
0: Yeah Um, You mentioned something before we got on uh, Where you were talking uh, And you mentioned that So let me back up you all are in nine cities now?
1: About nine or ten. Okay. Depends. Okay. Depends okay. on
0: the year. Okay. So so it's almost like a an art circus, if you will. You, you're yeah, kind of traveling parallel. around. Um, but one thing that you mentioned previously before we started recording was you mentioned something along the, the lines of when you start to travel, you realize that there's a you in every city. Yeah. You know,
1: it's almost like parallel universes. Talk about
0: that because, you know, artists. Go back to social media. We have a chance to connect and follow each other's work, and you sort of see the the end result. You see the image of the yeah. work, but you don't always meet the person because your miles separated. Yeah. Talk about what it's like to meet your your parallel, you know,
1: universe yeah. you. Yeah. So every city, like, um, and I have say it, it's like a lot of different cities, you'll go there and they'll have similar events, you know, or similar ideas. With similar people, and it's cool when you connect with folks because you're like, "Wow, you guys are trying to do something like what we're trying to do," and you're in a completely other side of the country. And now with social media, you can follow people, you can Mm -hmm. look them up, and all that, and you can see what they got going on. But it's sort of like you're taking it out of context because you're just seeing like snippets of it, highlight reels. Because social media is, especially Instagram, it's just highlight reels. Sure. But when you actually go to the event, you're like, "Wow." These people are mad cool. They're on the same vibe we are back in Atlanta, but they're out in Ohio or they're out in Durham or they're out somewhere else. So when you meet with them, you realize, okay, you're not alone in this thing. It's a bigger community out there. There's a lot of people who are on the same wavelength and possibly you can work with each other and or bring them over here or, you, or they bring you over there and, you know, you can connect you connect the dots. So that's really, that's, that's the cool part about it.
0: So what is the, the evolution of that from... Not just a space standpoint, but I'm thinking more about uh, documentation, recognition, you know, the the uh, when you're acknowledging this culture, you know, the art, the artists who kind of are, are involved in that, you know, we're in we're in a, you know, in a gallery space here where it's, you know, about capturing art of this sort of era. Yeah. When does it go, or or where would you like to to see it go in terms of saying, this is what we're doing, we're presenting this this work in the 2000s. How should this work be remembered, preserved for future generations in these other art spaces, if it gets to that?
1: Well, I'll tell you something that happened recently. We went to the Picasso Museum in uh, Spain, Mm -hmm. and afterwards, I found out that Picasso produced, like, 50,000 50, creations in his time. He lived to be very long, you know, which is cool. But that's still a lot. Mm-hmm. But that includes paintings, drawings, sketches, doodles, and all that. He, but he documented everything. Everything he did, he documented. That's why we have such a, we can see so much work by Picasso. That's how we can have several different museums in different places. And I think that now we got to document what we're doing. You know, and I've been telling people this for years, we take each other for granted, You know, um, being in Atlanta, we're fortunate enough to know a lot of talented people who do stuff in other places. They just live here and, you know, you've been hanging out with them for years. But, you know, truth is they may be on tour in Europe doing stuff or they may be on tour ever, but they're outside of the city. They're pretty well known people. But here they're just your homeboy. Right. And I think that when people look at this time years and years later and somebody from some university sits down and discovers this you know like oh wow I didn't know such and such they all hung out together you know and they all ran in the same circles because if you look at how Paris was um, around the time of Picasso a lot of people hung out together Mm. because they were contemporaries you know they were friends they all knew each other but there's no documentation of that so I think it's up to us to document what we're doing and tell our own stories because if we don't somebody else will and you may not like it and if you ever want to see how that plays out, look at those, look at, you ever seen like a documentary on like a, like a great musician mm-hmm. and then the musician gets on there and is like, oh, my greatest inspiration was such and such. And then they show a black and white photo of that person holding the guitar and just pans in <laughs> and that's it. Just right. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You don't want to be the black and white photo that becomes the pan. So be out there telling your story because if you don't do it, you don't know how your story is going to be told. Yeah. And you may not be in it. True, That's and it. and on that
0: on that note, um, and we just we just talking shop here. Um, I know that Arbor Avenue Research Library has been very active, or the the archivists there have been have been very active about about wanting people to to reach out to them or or establish a relationship to try to document culture. You mm-hmm. know, whether it be through photography, mainly through photography. But I think about that. Um, Because I remember talking with some of them and they were mentioning, you know, before when not as many folks had cameras,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, there was the one photographer in the community who captured everybody's stuff. And so they could turn over their stuff to someone or it could, you know, be gathered or acquired somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, things happened and you didn't know it was happening, but you were just capturing a moment and you realize Years later, oh, that's so and so, right? Yeah. Now I think there's an awareness of culture being created and there's a there's an awareness of we should document this, but not necessarily the avenues of knowing where to go with that. Yeah. And so I think with the library, because Arburn Avenue Library functions in a different capacity than like your regular public library, like they're there to collect culture. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it just needs to be Maybe a bridge between the culture creators and, and content creators, and them to say, "Hey, we're doing this. How do we make this happen?" The also, I mean, the 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 other challenge is technology. Like we all probably have two or three of our old phones mm-hmm. that we kind of throw it in the drawer and we get a new one. We I think we're kind of better about you know having the software update and we mm-hmm. capture our, our our photo collection. But so much of these moments are stored in a very fragmented way on everyone's phones.
1: Yeah. Or even amongst like different hard drives. Or different and, hard drives. Different
0: computers. Yeah, so it's it's you know, how do we become more intentional about let's pull some of this stuff out, you know, let's look through it, take the time to actually look through yeah. it and see who was there, who was doing what, and then to say this is probably of some value culturally. Now let's try to make sure that we get it to an to a, an institution that wants to yeah. to preserve that. I
1: think Someone's gonna to have to put things in context. Mm. And that's gonna be the tricky part because you're gonna have a lot of information. Yeah. And then actually putting it in a format that people can understand. Because, you know, everyone's living their own lives. And if you just take everybody's pictures and everything, it's just gonna be a billion pictures. But I think the tricky part will be in how do you contextualize it and actually put it in a storyline in which people can understand
0: mm.
1: or understand what the significance of it.
0: Sure. Um, back to you. A little bit in some of your your earlier career days, do you recall the first piece of work that you sold? Yes. What was it?
1: I was in elementary school and somebody wanted me to draw a picture for a dollar. I was at the lunch table, Mm -hmm. and he's like, "I want I want a picture. I got a (laughs) dollar, so I sketched it. That was the first thing I've ever sold." What was it? What was it of? I don't remember. Okay. I don't even know what it was, but you know. you sketch something out for him and he gave me a dollar. And, you okay. know, that was the first thing I ever sold. I think it was made in the, I would say the third grade.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, what about the first thing you sold as, as W?
1: Ah, uh, first thing I sold as W, I would say was an illustration for a magazine in Canada. Okay. You know, I did, a, I think, an illustration of Method Man and Red Man. Okay. You know, style was a lot rougher back then. Okay, <laughs> it was way rougher back then. <laughs> Didn't have a grasp on the materials quite yet, like I do today. So it was, uh, I think, I painted on like some cardboard. You know, so it was really a really rough style of painting back then. We talked
0: about you being deep into your sketchbook, um, working out concepts, ideas, playing around with stuff. Um, what does Going from your sketchbook, actually, to, you know, tangible, you know, materials, canvas, markers, pens, paint, whatever. Um, how do you approach the notion of of play? In, in in terms of working through things that may or may not turn into something, but just like the notion of creating without a specific Goal in mind For the
1: creation Oh So check this out So We just got back From Spain Mm -hmm. And that was something That that very topic Was something That I was Toying with Like okay You got all these Different sketchbooks For different ideas What do you do for fun Mm. Now though I have fun Doing it So I decided to make A travel sketchbook You know Which is all done All done in pen No pencil Just straight pen Two different pens And document The experience And I'm quite sure most people will not find this interesting at all, like drawing pictures of like things you've seen in food and things you ate. That's not very interesting, but the part for me, that's fun is I get a chance to i don't know what the page is going to look like. I have no idea what's coming out next. You know I may go back and work on another page. I did thirteen pages you know of just black and white ink drawings, and I'm going to put them post them on that, post that post it so we can see them. But it's not the most interesting thing. I guess it's subject matter Mm because, you know, it's like looking at other people's vacation photos, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it was a great opportunity, one, to play around with different things and try different ideas and draw things and create things that I don't normally do. You know, I don't normally draw pictures of hamburgers (laughs) or seafood, you know. But this was it was fun, you know. And every day I go and I look at some of the stuff we did and I just sketch it out some more and have fun with it. Yeah. That's just like that's just for me. No, but but, that's like this book is just for me, you know.
0: But 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 I ask that because I think that as a professional artist, there's often this attachment to maintaining a living. You know, there's there's the the, you know you got bills, you have things you want to do. So your art is a vehicle by which you you maintain your life, Mm -hmm. or you provide a life for yourself and for those who you care about. Um, But in thinking about this notion of of play as a you know a bit of exercise or just maybe a a bit of you know expression that that doesn't have a specific you know you know end attached to it yeah i think that's important i think that that's important for artists because so much of of i mean it's it's a grind trying to make a living you know in, in 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 some respects so i think that being able to have that outlet where it's not tied to a certain thing it's just like yeah. let's just sort of see where this
1: goes yeah and also makes you interesting and it keeps it and it keeps you from being it makes you unpredictable too mm-hmm. you know if everybody knows you for painting this and every time you paint something you paint it. this is what you're cranking out it looks amazing it's beautiful but then you throw something else out there like wow i didn't know he did still lives <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. or he like i didn't know he'd like to paint draw these on you know so I think it's what keeps you interesting. And it also, it just gives you a chance to step outside of what you normally do and outside of your comfort zone, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned it a little bit, but you're you're traveling quite a bit, not only for art beats and lyrics, but also just for yourself, obviously. just yeah. things that help, you know, to enrich and, uh, and, you know, make things more interesting in your own life. But talk about, outside of ABL, because i got to travel for that, That's that's work or mm-hmm. that's purpose driven um what what has travel done for you um in terms of just the how it's helped out your actual art practice
1: okay well i could break that up in i guess two parts early travel and current travel mm-hmm. um early travel is um well, my family my mom's side of the family is from panama so traveling is something that has been you have to do to see family. Mm. You know, we live in North Carolina. We got to go back to New York, or we're going from you know New York to go to Panama, whatever. And you got to see people. So traveling has never been a foreign concept, and it was never viewed as a big thing. And as a kid, you know, my sisters went all over the world. You know, one went to Germany, another went to Korea. So we had a chance to go to Germany and see one sister and hang out with them and hang out with her and everything. And going out there as as young it it, it takes the mystique of travel away it's not a big deal it's something you do Mm -hmm. it's not a oh it's the big trip gotta dress up and go you know it's it's just like okay it's something you do now later on like currently Kat and I Kat's my girlfriend you know we travel and we want to go to all the top museums in the world you know there's about 17 of them we picked and we've knocked off all but like I would say maybe about like four Mm -hmm you know and you get a chance to see the best art in the world the best that people have put out you get a chance to see it mm. and you get to look at it and then you get to compare it and then you get to learn about it and you you get to see how things stand up over the test of time mm. it's one thing to be hot now it's another thing to be hot 500 years from now that's a different concept you know it's one thing to be a good painter it's another thing to be amongst the greats ever, you know, to ever pick up a brush. You know, that's a it's a different mentality and you get to look at the details and how technically they created these images. When you get up close and you're like, I don't know how they would even see that considering they didn't have electricity.
0: There you, you know, go. There you go. Yeah. You know, so yeah.
1: you know, they didn't have electricity. Nighttime comes, you're done. <laughs> you know? You know, and they they couldn't go, a lot of these artists couldn't go to the store and buy paint, get a mixture paint. And they were able to create that, you know. So with technology on our side and the convenience of all that, what are we doing? Mm. You know, is our stuff going to be hot 500 years from now, minus all of the pomp and circumstance and all of the promotions and all of the stuff that we got going on now to help, you know, make a living for ourselves? Mm. We'll be able to produce the type of work that people want to see. 500 years from now? 600 years from now? 1,000 years from now? You know, or will our will work be something that people want to restore? There you go. Or even can restore. Yeah. Because yeah. you can look at some of these paintings, you can tell the ones that need restoring and the ones that don't. Because the colors are changing. So when you go to these places and you see like almost like a yellow finish over it, it's the varnish. So then they, a lot of times you can't really do nothing about that because, one, it's old and you don't want to damage the actual painting. But... um. You know, I think it's stuff like that sometimes, you know. So, I don't know how this is going to pan out, but I, I hope that we're producing, I hope that we can still produce the type of work that people want to see years from now.
0: Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, uh,
1: when are you at your best? Ah, when am I at my best? That's a good question. I think I'm at my best when I'm busy and I'm working. You know, the best feeling... I think in creating is the moment when it starts to pop and it's the moment where you in a, when you're in the midst of creating a piece, when you start turning the corner and you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be dope that moment, you know, because before that, you're still trying to figure it out and walk through the darkness and the mud and all that stuff. And then it comes a point when you add something and you're like, okay, this is when it's going to hit. This is going to hit hard. And that I think that that's that moment feels the best, and I think that's when I'm at my best. When I get to that moment, then it's all good from there.
0: Awesome. Let everyone know how they can uh, get in touch and stay in touch and kind of follow whatever you got going on.
1: Okay, so we got a couple of things popping off. You know, we got you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at W, which is D U B E L Y O O. Um, Of course, with Art Beats and Lyrics, we got that. You know, hashtag Art Beats and Lyrics or at Art Beats and Lyrics on Instagram. And we're getting ready to start getting ready for the tour. And also, we started a podcast called The Unruled Podcast on Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud. Awesome.
0: Uh, thank you, W. Uh, thank you to the Atlanta Contemporary for kind of giving us the space to have these conversations. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate it.
1: Cool. Thank you.